Okay. All right. So tonight, um, I want to go through. <laughs> I want to go through our church launch plan, and I just want to give you three thoughts that I had and kind of organize them. Um, I'll tell you what they are, and then we'll kind of walk through each one. Number one is we have a plan. Number two, I want you to be part of that plan. And number three, the process will be difficult. So nothing that we don't know, nothing that you don't know. And as we go through, the first two are going to be more talking through kind of quickly just what we're going to do. The third one, the process will be difficult. I'm going to walk through just a few things that I think are important um, reminders, things that you probably know, but putting into perspective kind of what we're doing and how we're doing it. And then at the end, I have just some questions for you, some action steps that I want to ask you about. And that's going to help us to start working on some of the things that we need to do. So uh, number one, actually, before we get started, let's go ahead and pray for our time tonight. Uh, you know that we don't have music tonight. I'll be praying for the other people who couldn't make it here. And as we go through, by the way, tonight, I'm going to be talking both to you and then also to the other people who will be joining us, not tonight, but listening online and things like that. So let's go ahead and pray and then we'll get started. God, thank you for today, the opportunity to meet together, to talk about what you have for us, talk about where you're leading us to go. I ask that you bless those who are away. Um, give Stephanie safety and a good time on her missions trip. Um, I ask that you work in Miss Janie's life and ask that you'd heal her, help the doctors to know what to do. Help the others who, uh, who aren't here tonight, just bless them, give them peace, help them to know what you have for them. And then tonight as we discuss our plan moving forward, give us wisdom, give us clarity, and help us to make the right choices and the right decisions. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Okay. So tonight, number one, we have a plan. And so I want to share with you the launch plan. So I'm excited about this. Here's the goal. On September 22nd of next year, I want that to be our first Sunday morning service. So that gives us 14 months from about today, from Sunday. So we don't know yet. So between now and then, that gives us a year and two months to figure out. That, yeah, September 22nd. That gives us a year and two months to figure out where we're going to meet, to figure out uh, you know location, and to get all the materials that we need to raise money, to raise support, all of those things. Obviously, that means that there's a lot to do between now and then. Now, keep in mind, I brought this, and I think this has... This is something that my dad sent me, and I think it... It has 11 plus pages. It has like 12 pages of things that we need to do as a church. Actually 13. There's 13 pages. And we've done like 20 of them. And so we have done a lot that we need, but we definitely have a lot more to do than what we have. And so between now and September 22nd of next year, we need to be busy doing all of these things. And I'm going to need your help with a lot of these things. I can do some of it. You can do some of it, and together, banded as a team, we're going to be able to get this done. So that brings me to number two. Um, I want you to be part of that plan. A lot of, um, well, I guess all of you guys, except for Skylar, for obvious reasons, have been part of this kind of since the beginning, and it's been a long time. I think deep down, there's a piece of us that's kind of skeptical that always like whenever we hear a plan we always are thinking well here's all the reasons that won't work or here's all the times that we've tried something like that and why would it work this time instead of 
that time because it didn't work that time. And part of that is 100% right because objectively, if we look at everything that we've tried so far, it hasn't worked to launch a church off the ground. But kind of like whenever you see somebody dating, like the parents are going to tell them, no, that's not the person for you. No, that's not the person for you. No, that one's not the person for you. But then eventually it ends up being the person for you. And if they say that it's not, they have a 99% chance of getting it wrong. But the one time that they are wrong, it's the one. And it's the one that you stick with for the rest of your life. So yes, it is kind of 100% wrong whenever that skeptic in, in me at least pipes up and is like, well, why would it work now? But on the other side, it's 100% wrong. It is right because 99% of the time, that part of me will be right. It's not going to work. But on the other hand, it will. And when it does, that one time will be the only time it needs to because that's the only time that we have to start the church. I don't think the microphone can hear you chewing your sandwich, but, <laughs> but even if it does, it's just, it's just a character flaw in our audience. <laughs> so, so our... <laughs> Okay. So I do want you to be part of that plan. And there's probably part of you that wonders, like, is September 22nd really going to be the day? I'm not God. I don't know. But I do know that if he were to come back before them, I want him to find me being faithful. If he were to bless us and give us something before then, then we would launch in his timing. If he were to give us something far after that, I'm talking if it's just a month, if it's years and decades down the road, I know that I'm going to be where God has me until he tells me not to be there. And so if September 22nd isn't the day, then okay, that's God's choice. But every part of me is going to be faithful because I do believe that's where God's leading us as a church to be. And so if it works or not, I cannot tell you, but I do know that we're going to try our best to make sure that it does. If it doesn't work, it's because God said no, not because we didn't do what we need to. Okay? So between now and then, I want you to be a part of that plan. And that means that we're going to have days where it's rough. We're going to have days where it's exciting and it's victorious and everything in between. That means that you're going to have to do things that you don't want to do. It means that you're going to have to do things that you love doing and everything in between. And the same goes for me on all of those fronts. That brings me to number three. The process will be difficult. So number one, we have a plan. We'll launch September 22nd in faith as the Lord wills. Number two, I want you to be a part of that plan. But number three, the process will be difficult. Um, big things take time. If I were to build a large building, a tall, tall skyscraper, I would have to spend a lot of time on the foundation. If I didn't, then I'd be building a house on the sand and it surely will fall. And in Jesus' words, great will be the fall of it. And so for me, I see like our church as two and a half years of an investment of time to build something great. I don't see two and a half years of where it didn't work. And I think we can choose to see it either way. And you're kind of right in both ways because no, it didn't work in the times that we tried to launch because uh, we've tried to launch twice. Did they succeed? No. But they did because we also learned from it. And so we can choose to see it pessimistically, or we can choose to see it with eyes of faith. And I think the obvious answer is with eyes of faith, because whatsoever is not of faith is sin. And so do you believe that God is good enough to give us two and a half years of lessons 
so that what we build in the next two and a half years will be even better? I think so. When we're five years into this process, I think we'll be thankful for the first half. And we're going to be glad that God didn't give us that because what he will give us in the future will be even better. That doesn't mean bigger. doesn't mean more expensive. It doesn't mean that we'll have everything that we want, but it does mean that it will be better in order to be where he has us for then. I do want to keep you um, in mind with this too. Big things take time and where we are today is where God has us. The people sitting in this room, the people who will be listening to this in the future, these are the people that God's given us. And he's given us to each other. And where we are is where we're supposed to be. Where we have been is where we were supposed to be. I don't think that we've intentionally ever acted outside of what God's given us to do. I don't think we've ever intentionally gone against that. And so because of that, I think we are in his will. But I also think that his will is changing and where we are going is not the same place as where we are. Now, as you know, not only do big things take time, and sometimes time can be a week, sometimes a long time can be a decade. But sometimes that time is full of change, and you know that change is difficult. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But I do need you to understand um, where we are and where we're going will not be the same place. In order to introduce new people into a church, that means that we're going to have to accept different type of people. Um, not everyone who comes in is going to know the Bible. Not everyone who comes in is going to be is going to look like what we look like or sound like what we sound like or believe what we believe. And that's okay because our job isn't to, to pick and choose who we want to minister to It's to minister to those that God gives us. And he's going to give us people that we don't always enjoy ministering to. It's just the fact because (laughs) I think we all have people even right now that we don't always enjoy ministering to. But on the flip side, the benefit of doing what God's given to us is far going to outweigh the downside of that. And so we need to continue to be faithful even when change is difficult. Um, big time, big things take time. And on the other hand, let me change kind of topics. So this is a second thought that I had that just is important to me. Um, volume leads to skill and skill leads to love. Let me say it a different way that might make more sense. The more times you do something, the better you get at it. And the better you get at something, the more you start to love it. The first time that you ever cooked something, it probably was burnt, like <laughs> like tonight. Or maybe the hundredth time that you made a sandwich, Caleb. But for the rest of us, those of us who like to improve, um, except for me, because my fried chicken recipe is still terrible. We, uh, yeah, no, I can feel it too. The more we get, the more we do, the better we get at something. If you've only ever cooked eggs one time, they're probably rubbery or underdone. But by the hundredth time, your eggs are probably okay to eat, at least safe. Might not taste the best, but they're at least safe. By the thousandth time, they better be tasting good. You're probably good at it. But the same thing goes for public speaking. God is going to ask some of you probably to speak in front of people. And it's not going to be comfortable. Is it? (laughs) No. And sometimes whenever those people are our friends, it's bad, but then when they're strangers, it's even worse. And the fact is, the first time you do it, it probably won't be good because it's the first time. By the hundredth time, you'll probably start to get a feel for it. By the thousandth time, you'll probably be decent. And you can convey a thought that actually makes sense. And so the more times you do something, the better you get at it. 
And the better you get at something, the more you start to love it because you're comfortable with it. And so we talked about how change is hard and how difficult um, that development process can be. But think of it like growing pains. Like if your shins never hurt as a kid, then you wouldn't be as tall as you are. And although it hurt at night when I couldn't sleep some of those times, it also feels good to not be a midget. So like where I am today is because of past pain. And so where we will be tomorrow will be because of the time between now and then that sometimes hurts. But the best way to get over that hurt is to start doing it. And the more you do, the better you get at it. And the more you get good at it, the more you love it. And so volume leads to skill, skill leads to love. By the way, the shortcut to that is if you want to get good at something faster, do more of it up front, and then you won't have to do as much of it at the end. So if you feel like God is trying to lead you to something, a different type of ministry or something that you aren't maybe good at yet. For instance, the first thing that pops in my mind for me is like door knocking or street evangelism. I'm not great at it, but when I lived in New York, we had to do it every week, every Saturday. We had to go out on the street and hand out flyers to people who really did not like being handed flyers. And so eventually you kind of get good at it. And I mean, I'm not great at it, but I'm better at it than before then. And if I were to go back there and do it every weekend for another year, I'd probably be 10 times better than I am now. And the same thing goes for our church. If we want to get really good at something like door knocking, then we have to just go do it. But it's going to be for everything that we do. The more music services, the more preaching, the more Bible studies we lead, the more women's and men's events that we host, we're going to get better at it as we go. So don't focus on the discomfort, focus on the end result. And remember that sometimes that end result is farther away than you want it to be because big things take time. So that's number one, big things take time. The second kind of random thought is that volume leads to skill, skill leads to love. And then I want to talk practically real quick. Here are just a few ways that we are going to lead our church as kind of a church planning team. We need to measure little wins. Sometimes we are going to see our outreach events as either they worked or they didn't. That's a temptation for us, probably. Suppose we were to have a block party in a neighborhood around here. We were to invite, invite a bunch of people. A bunch of people show up, but nobody actually comes to church after that. Well, is that a success or a fail? It depends on how you see it, because if the only way that anything ever works as a church is you get people to come in the door, then sure, it would be a fail. But if you pay attention to the fact that you just told 100 people in a neighborhood about the gospel, that you just told 100 people in a neighborhood that we care about them, that we love their children, that we're willing to go above and beyond to reach them, I think that screams a lot more than the people who didn't come to church. And so we're going to measure little wins. When we run ads on Facebook and other things, if a thousand people see it, Imagine being able to preach the gospel to a thousand people in a room. That would be a big win. Even if nobody comes to Jesus, that's, that's a significant success. But it's not hard to get a thousand clicks. It takes about 20 bucks to get a thousand people to see your ad. Now, how many of them click on it? How many of them actually come into the doors of the church? That's going to take a time. That's going to be a separation between today and a long time from now. But it takes the today in order to get to a long time from now, because big things take time.
So we're going to measure little wins and we're going to try to measure every little win that we can get. If you have a conversation with somebody, come in the next Wednesday night and be excited about it. Doesn't matter if they're coming to church with you tonight. Doesn't matter if they got saved right there on the street corner. It does matter though that you were a witness for Jesus because the more we do that, the better we're going to get at it. And eventually those little wins are going to turn into big wins because they stack up and they get bigger and taller. We measure little wins. We also complement effort. Complement effort. There's a study done with children, school children. They were like five and six, I think. And they had both groups take the same like math test. In one group, after the test, they complimented them on how smart they are. You guys, you, you did a great job. You're so smart. You're so intelligent. And you really knew how to do that. That is so impressive. You are wildly smart. And then the other group, they complimented on their effort. And they said, I'm so proud of you. You did a great job. You worked really hard on this. And I know you didn't get everything right, but I can tell that you really tried on this. They gave both groups a second test. The group that was complimented on, on effort, we'll start with that one. They improved their scores. They tried harder the second time. And because they tried harder, they got better scores. The other group that was complimented on their intelligence was actually declining in their scores. Every child in that group did worse on the second test because they thought, I'm smart, so I got this. I don't have to try. What we do as a ministry, the way that we praise people, I think it should become just a staple of our ministry. We compliment people on how hard they tried. Now, the second part of that is we compliment effort and we correct results. So that's the second part, we correct results. Because the fact is, effort does lead to better results the next time, and better results the next time, and better results the next time. And eventually that will lead to it. But it should be a common thing for one of us to say, like for one of you to say, hey, listen, I really appreciate the way that you studied for that sermon. Um, good job. I can tell that you tried on that. You really lost me, though, whenever you said this. You really went on a big, long rabbit trail that did not matter that had nothing to do with the sermon on this one. Hey, really, I can tell that you spent some time on that presentation, but can you clarify this? Because I did not understand what you were talking about. That's what it means to compliment effort, but to correct results. And so back to like on the flip side, how can we do that with one another? I really appreciate the way that you were um, praising this night. Um, can, would you mind fixing the words on the screen though? Because next time, like I want to make sure that they're the right way. Not that that's, you know, top of mind. I just, you see what I mean? We can complement the effort and still correct what needs to be corrected. And I think the Bible, as we talked about last or two weeks ago, we talked about intentions matter, but so do actions. Like if you have all the right intentions in the world, but you don't do anything with those, it doesn't matter and vice versa. But when you compare your actions and your intentions together, then you can sometimes do the wrong thing with the right intention. And we should still remember that about people. So let's, Let's measure little wins. Let's, let's complement the effort and let's correct our results. Okay. Here's another, um, another thing. Remember big things take time and when big things take time, then you have to have a certain quality that nobody likes. It starts with P and ends with Asians. Nobody likes it. 
But I've also been thinking through the word patience, and I thought, what does it mean to be patient? It doesn't mean anything. It's like, it's like be un-everything. It's don't try to succeed in that time. It's don't try to work harder. It's don't try to rush anything. It's like, don't do anything. That's what patience means. And so in order to be patient, I guess a better way to say it is figure out what to do in the meantime. That's really what patience is. It's wait for the big result that you're looking for, but between now and whenever that happens, figure out what to do in the meantime. Does that make sense? So for us, we have a big thing to build. A church is not an easy thing to launch. We have 14 months to do it. And between now and then, we can either just sit here and say, be patient, or we can try to figure out what to do in the meantime. Between now and then, what are you going to do? Because I think we think in terms of this is a church event or this is a personal event, right? A lot of times that's how we split it. Like this is what we do with church. We go to church. When we have church events, we're going to go show up to those. When we have church potlucks or cookouts, we're going to go to those church activities. And then we think on the other side, these are my family things or these are my personal things. I'm going to go out with my friends that time or I'm going to go to this birthday party or I'm going to be involved with this little area of my life that is not church. And so we split those when really they have no business being split because Jesus died for our whole life, not just some of it, because we're called to die to ourselves. And Jesus himself gave up his own family. And so the model of New Testament family is, yes, of course, to take care of your family, but primarily to take care of your church family. And so we as a church, we have a responsibility to to keep in mind that big things take time and that in the meantime, we need to figure out what we're going to do. What does that look like for you? How do your personal events and your church events mesh? Do they mesh? Are they one thing? On the other hand, what is it that God's leading you to do? Um, How is he leading you in your personal life to evangelize the lost, to go out into the highways and hedges? Is he leading you to lead a ministry or to, witness to one specific person to to learn a skill that you can use in the church. Is there anything that he's doing there? Okay, we'll figure out what to do in the meantime. And if you want any help, I have 13 pages right here of suggestions. So that's some of what we're going to need to do. And that's what I'm going to be busy doing between now and then. And I accept all help. (laughs) Next thought is we need to have a long time horizon. Now, we talked about this before. We've also talked tonight about big things take time. And when big things take time, sometimes we become impatient because we know that big things take time and it's already been a long time. Make sense? So we're like, man, it's already been two and a half years. Why isn't this where we want it? Oh, we want to extend it another 14 months. So at that point, it will be three and three quarter years of doing this, that's a long time. But if that's our only perspective, then of course we're going to be impatient. Of course we'll be frustrated. But God doesn't look at life in just like little tiny seasons. He looks at life from a much longer time horizon than we do. Because remember, His plan stretches from long before creation happened to long after creation is dissolved. In fact, he's going to do a whole new creation on top of that. So 
if our time horizon matches God's, then we're looking at eternity, not at this year or next year. Now, obviously, God works in the little ways, and he uses us to look at this year. And I think it would be foolish for you, like, this month, you only have so much money coming in. So if you're looking at all the money that you're ever going to make in your life, and you spend as if that's how you have it, that's you're going to go broke fast. But if you look at, I have this much money this month, and I have this much money this month, then of course, that makes sense. You're going to budget appropriately. But the same thing goes for your time. It goes for your Christian service. It goes for the way that you live your life. God does call us to have a time horizon that is eternal, but he also calls us to have moment and segmented seasons of life because for everything there is a season, the Bible tells us. So there's time for joy and time for weeping. There's time for growth and there's time for shrinking. And that's where we are right now. I think we're in a season of growth. We'll talk more about seasons in the church in the future because I think this is an important topic that I've recently learned about. I want to share that with you, but that's not for tonight. Long time horizon. I'm going to do a quick exercise with you guys, and I want your input on this. And then I have one more little tidbit to talk with. Actually, two more little things to talk about. And then I have just a few questions for you, and then we'll be done tonight. I don't want to be too long. Here's the exercise. Think about our church on launch day. So September 22nd, 14 months from today. What would you have to do between now and then in order to get there? The floor is now open. Okay, and by you, I mean, what would we have to do to get there? Maybe that'll be clearer. Okay. How many people do you think that we need to invite? Probably a lot. Probably a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to come over here so they can hear you. Even being a part of, like, I don't know, like how they do the booth and stuff at, um, yeah, yeah, whatever that is. Like, like, if they have something, like, not necessarily a cookbook, but, like, something like that here. Go door to door? I mean, we already do that. We need to do more of that, obviously. Yeah. But, no, not necessarily door to door, but, like, just, like, festivals in the community, like, Doing things like that, setting up a booth, passing out water, like we talked about doing a nursing station and a water station, so that would be a good thing to do. Not that it has to be that, but yeah, getting out in the community events. We get to undercut everybody. Yeah, we get to be the favorite. <laughs> we are clearly a nonprofit here. <laughs> okay. Okay, so between now and then, so far we have invite people, we have do community events. What else do we have? See that they've building? got a roof over their heads mm. to to do it. To okay. go and talk to these people and all of that. Yes, it's know. like take care of people's needs, you're saying? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. What else do we have? Oh, okay. Even if you didn't do it at Thanksgiving, they're like putting together like items. 
Yeah, that's a good and idea. Then, like, our church back home, they used to do that, like, little gallon size baggies that would just go, like, travel size stuff and just pass it out. <laughs> what else we got? Prepare ourselves. Okay. Ooh, that's good. What? We'll touch on that in a few prepare minutes. Prepare ourselves and pray. Yep. That's a good one. Diligent in prayer. Okay. Building. I know we already said that, mm. but. Okay. Anything else? I mean, there's a lot. Like, <laughs> I was about to say, bro, just I'm trying to stop. I don't know. Oh, yeah. You want, you want some of this? Okay. Get a post office box. Yeah. Um, so we can mail things and we can have things mailed to us. How about raise money? How much money are we going to need? Right now we have people have given $25,000 plus to our church plant fund. I don't think that's how much is in there because we've spent some of that on other things, but they have given twenty five grand. Um, send out 300 support letters. How about raising, I don't know, right now I'm thinking top of mind, probably $100,000. It's a lot of money, but I think we could do it. I think that would take care of most of what we need. How about um, drafting a constitution and bylaws? Incorporating in 501c3, which is a, it's a type of corporation, um, getting a music license so that we can have the slides up as our own thing instead of just using open doors. How about meeting local pastors and uh, collaborating with other churches in the area? How about maybe preaching out or maybe even our group going out into some of the churches and getting to meet some of the locals? How about on-site design? So lighting and pipe and drape and how are we going to get the speakers? How about when we're getting close, doing brochures? How about ministry cards? How about prayer cards? How about message request cards? How about, I have a prayer request card. How about giving envelopes? It's <laughs> a lot. How about a marketing plan? How about running Facebook ads? How about getting a plywood stencil of our logo and pressure washing it? Yeah. On the streets, that would be, I don't know. I love that. It's so cool. It's reverse graffiti. Like, they can't get mad at you for cleaning their driveway, can they? How about um, getting a welcome area set up and buying coffee supplies? Like, where we are, we have a lot to do. And that's just, that's just like a few of the things that are in this list. Like I said, there's 13, and this is just one list that I'm looking at. There's like four other task lists that I'm looking at. And these are top level things that actually says one of the ingredients in here is to go through and actually split every one of these projects into specific tasks. And it's gonna take a long time to do all this. That's why we're doing 14 months and not to Easter. But our exercise is about a long time horizon. And so far, we've only covered 14 months of history. How about five years from now? What is our church going to look like then? And what do we need to do to get there? Go ahead. Okay, you got um, like chairs and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Five years from now, we're probably going to need to start doing some repairs on the building. 
We're going to need to probably um, buy new chairs. Like toilet paper, toilet tissues, and stuff mm. like that. So we'll probably have a full-on maintenance team. Let's go. To make sure the bathrooms are fit to go into and everything. That's a good point. So keeping up facilities, we probably have a groundskeeper or at least one of us being out there. I say this, but like when people go into bathrooms, they like judge the whole building based on how clean the bathroom is. So we need to like renovate our bathrooms is what I'm hearing yes. five years from now. <laughs> okay. What else five years from now? What does our ministry look like? I think of a children's and teens ministry that are really bumping. So at that point, hopefully we could have um, a dedicated children's team, a dedicated teens team, and dedicated spaces to those places. A nursery. A nursery. We're going to need a nursery yeah. five years from now. We're going to need one before then. Uh -oh. <laughs> we'll hang a curtain right there. Like, <laughs> yeah. Maybe she'll see. Okay, so a music team, we're, we're five years from now, hopefully it won't just be a keyboard and Isaac's Cajon whenever he brings it or Nick's guitar whenever it's here. It's We're probably going to need to buy some instruments. Hey, get an electric drum yes. set. That'd be cool. Electric? Well, we got Yeah, because then you can kind of control the sound and tweak it. Okay, so that's that's this year. That's five years from now, just very base level. Let's expand it. Let's go out to, instead of just five years, let's think about 20 years. New building. So, so we own our building. Maybe in 20 years we own our buildings. Hopefully we could be debt-free by that point. Hopefully we will, yeah, we'd have a school and then in a daycare. Maybe we could be starting to lay the foundations for a college or a Bible school at least. Um, or like a institution or something. Maybe we could do a homeless shelter in 20 years. 20 years, I would hope that we would be printing materials and having things that we can give to the world so that other ministries can be better and we can be helping start other ministries. 20 years from now, what if we had five other churches planted out of our church? That would be cool. Us an open door plant Antioch Baptist, a hundred miles down Interstate Twelve or Ten, whatever it is. What if then after that we three churches got together and we pooled our resources and planted another Baptist church and planted with us four now another one and another one and another one. That's what I see in twenty years, and I don't think that that's unreasonable. But what are we going to have to do between now and then to get there? It can't be 10 people in a room. We're going to need resources, and we're going to need an army of servants of Christ to get there. Now think about when we are all either dead or dying. Think about 80 years from now. Where is our church then? What are we going to have to do to get there? What's our church going to look like? I think technologically, obviously, everything will be different. I think the way that we communicate with people will be for sure different. But what is 80 years from now going to look like with our church? 
Eight years from now. I will be gone. Eight plus three. I could be 110. I could. I have good genes, but probably not. I would be 100, so let's uh, <laughs> uh, let's just assume we're all going to be dead. There's a new pastor, so we're going to have to train somebody to do that. I'm hoping I'll be here. <laughs> hey. Because <laughs> I'm the oldest. Yeah. There you go. I mean, I'm not ready to go, but you never know. I'm thinking 80 years, all of us will be ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> so. I love that. 80 years from now, what? Oh, no. <laughs> and then think about it like this, too. Think about it like this. Will there still be Capernaum Baptist Church in 80 years? hope so. I hope so, too. But at the same time, what about those churches in the Bible? The ones where people, like the original apostles, planted those churches. And where, by 60 years in, Jesus was writing letters to them through John in the book of Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And he was saying, listen, some of you guys are killing it. Some of you guys have been killing it, but you've been doing it for the wrong reasons. And some of you guys need to get it together. In fact, he even told one of them, like, listen, I'm about ready just to cut it. I'm about done blessing you guys. 60 years can look 100% different. It can either be God's about done with that church or God is just getting started with that church. And the question is, where are we going to be? That's 60 years. We're talking about 80 this is now a generation, two, three generations from now. Where are we going to be? What's our church going to look like? And what are we going to have to do starting today in order to build that? Like systems and yeah. classes and all of that. For sure. Maybe make the mistakes so they don't have to in the future. That's smart. Yeah. I think we're going to have to deal with people like us who don't like listening to other people who've already yeah. done it. <laughs> Maybe I say us, but maybe more me. We're going to have to train up not just one generation of Christians, but by that point, four. Kids will be being born at that time that are going to be Harper's age. They're going to be little. They're going to be running around in a world that is 100% different than ours. Probably more than that. How do we train kids in a time that looks nothing like what we know? I think we need to know our principles and we need to know what we stand for. Our church is going to need to be something that is built on principles because just the rules, just even the systems that we build, they will work for today, but they won't work for forever. And we need to train those three or four generations from now how to make their own decisions based on God's word, not based on what makes sense, not based on what's been done before, not based on what their experience is based on what God is leading them to do, and only that. Sometimes we, I don't think 80 years from now we'll be here, but when we're old, we're going to see our kids doing things that we're like, what is wrong with them? <laughs> like, why are they doing it that way? And they're going to look at us and think, man, they're just being old grumpy people. But it's because we did something that we knew to do. And we want the world to look like what, look like for us, but that's not how the world works. It changes. So will we be a church that changes along with the world and that adapts to the new hurdles to, to jump over? Or will we be an unchanging church that never, never adopts new practices, never learns from the younger generations? Because if we're going to make it 80 years from now, we better be good at that.
It's not going to work. But that doesn't start 80 years from now. It starts far sooner than that. It starts now because the next generation is in the oven. And our, like, there's already kids that are going to be coming to our church here in the next few years. There's going to be teens who in the next few years are going to want to lead a teen service that's not going to look like what we old farts are going to want the service to look like. You know what I mean? So it starts today. It doesn't start 60 years. It doesn't start 50 or 40 years from now. It starts now. So who are we now? And now I think, now that we've looked at 80 years from now, when we're all gone, let's zoom back into 14 months from today. September 22nd. Now the important things actually matter. When your time horizon is beyond you, when it's a long time horizon, you realize that big things take a lot of time to build. But they also take the right choices to build. What you're probably thinking is, after listening to all of the decisions that we're going to have to make between now and then, man, that's a lot of work. Yeah. That's why not everybody's doing it. Frankly, that's why it hasn't happened in the last two and a half years. You're probably thinking, man, that sounds hard. This is what hard feels like. This is hard, but this is what it feels like. So now you're, you're up against the wall, you and me both. You know what it's going to feel like because you're feeling it right now. In your mind, you're probably a little bit overwhelmed, as am I. There's a lot to do, but at least you know what you're up against. At least you know that this is what it's going to feel like. So take the moment right now and decide, is what you're feeling right now, all of these decisions, all the things that we have to do, is this hard? And this hard, what it feels like right now, is this harder than God's grace is good? Is this harder than God's mercy will prevail? Is this harder than God will equip us to succeed? I don't think it is. I think then on... That's just on the macro level. Let's talk about the individual for just a second. You personally are going to face hard. And some more than others, I think, like for me and Skylar, like it's just, this is part of our life. Like this is what we're called to do. For others, that means that they're leaving churches if they were to stay here. For others, it means they're giving up family. It gives up friends. For others in our community, it means they're going to leave their lifestyle and come adopt a brand new one that they've never seen before. This is what hard tastes like. This is what hard feels like. But isn't God bigger than the difficulty that we have? Can't he equip us for what we need? So with that in mind, whenever the life gets difficult, whenever church planting is too much, and just remind yourself, this is what hard feels like. And in that moment, you have permission to feel bad because <laughs> this is bad. But at the same time, you have the permission to realize, you know, God's good. If I can handle this today, I can probably handle it tomorrow. And even if I can't, God's still good. He can take care of me. So keep that in mind. Give yourself that permission. Number one, we have a plan. Number two, I want you to be part of that plan. Number three, the process will be difficult. Um, I told you I had two quick tidbits. Number one 
is um, this. Last week I talked about a covenant, and I want to introduce the covenant to a leadership team from both Open Door and this group. And I do want to just share quickly my heart on that. Um, if for some reason I, if I made it seem last week like this is an either you're in or you're out kind of thing, that's not exactly what I mean. Because I know that everyone who's either here or listening is in to some degree. Otherwise, you wouldn't keep coming. It doesn't make sense. So I don't want you to feel like this is a forever and always commitment that if you don't sign it, then you're not part of our church or you're not you're not welcome here. Or we don't want your help. That's not at all my heart behind it, because I think if we're all in to some degree, we want it to work to the same degree. And if we want Hammond, I don't think anyone in our group here or not is opposed to the gospel going to the city. Like that's not our problem. And so I don't want to make it seem like that's, it's like either you're in or you're out. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that because I know that you want the gospel to come to this city, what we need to do is make a covenant with our own selves, make a covenant between ourselves, among ourselves as a church, and a covenant to God that we're going to do our best to get out of the way to make sure that we're doing what God wants. I think of Achan in the sin of the camp. Had Achan made a covenant like Solomon would years later, not to lay any unclean thing before his eyes, they can probably wouldn't have seen the gold or seen the ephod and thought, man, I got to take that. And then caused a hundred people to die in the battle. Had Achan just done the right thing and made a covenant with himself and with others, then it'd be easy. They wouldn't have lost the battle. The fact is Achan brought sin into the camp and that sin in the camp caused a lot of harm. So I don't want there to be sin in our camp. And we're going to actually talk about that in the coming weeks. I, I just want us to be committed to doing what's right. So I want you to commit to reading your Bible. I am asking you to covenant with me and with the others to pray for our church. I'm asking you to give to church, whether that be ours, if God leads you that way. I think if you are involved in the church planning team, specifically the actual launch team, then I would expect that from you. So I think that just makes sense. We need to, I mean, we're going to ask other people to put their money into our ministry, we should be doing the same thing ourselves. I'm going to ask you to study God's word, not just to read it, but to study it. I'm going to ask you to serve whenever you can, whenever God gives you the opportunity to attend as faithfully as the Lord allows. And if the Lord wills, we're going to be out of the way and he will have all of the right of way to do what he wants in our ministry. As long as we can do that tonight, I don't have that for you because I don't just want it to be our group that signs it. Um, I want it to be a covenant between our group and also those from Open Door who eventually will be coming over to help us. So we'll revisit this a long time from now. Don't worry about it right now um, because it will come up again. We just tonight's not the night for it. Okay, that's item number one. Item number two is I have one one action step for you, and by action step I mean talk to me answer this question. What is a problem you face as a Christian that you needed someone to help you solve? What's a problem you face as a Christian that you needed someone else to help you solve? For instance, one I think of is I didn't understand how to study the Bible the right way until I took a course on it. And then I was like, oh, that makes sense. Oh, okay. What's God's will? versus my feelings.
That's good. Anything else? Okay, if you think of something, please let me know, because this is not just a one-time question. The reason I'm asking this is, in order to reach our community, I think we can do it a few ways. And one of the ways that we've talked about is running ads. And if we can solve people's individual problems, then that will lead them to have a desire for us to help solve other problems. And eventually that problem or that series of problems will lead them to realizing, man, I just need to get in church. And guess who's helped them all along the way? We have. And so if we can start sooner than later, we will be able to help put together resources to help people answer what's God's will versus my own feelings. And then suddenly, man, people in Hammond actually start knowing what God's will is for the life. And they're going to quickly discover part of God's will is for you to be in church. So they get their butt in the seat and they're here and they hear about God's will and his word. So I think that's, that's the heart behind it. If you have any other thoughts, then please feel free to text me those later on or call me or whatever. Let me know somehow any of those. Real quick, I want to ask, does anyone have any questions about tonight? Anything we've talked about, timeline or launch or anything else? Um, are you going to go through that list and like, ask certain people to do certain things? Or are you just expecting people to like, look at it and just be like, okay, I'll do that? Uh, no, I think, I mean, I'm going to ask certain people for certain things. Obviously, if someone wants to take up doing the LLC stuff, <laughs> great, because I don't want to do the paperwork. I'm just kidding. I, I need to be the one to do that. But <laughs> other than that, pretty much everything else is on the table. So, uh, yeah, no, volunteers are welcome, but voluntold is also welcome. My last request for you tonight is to be praying with me, and we're going to start that now. Tonight is the first night of a new era of Capernaum Baptist Church. I'm glad that you're here for it. For those listening online, I'm glad that you're here for it. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do here in the future. All right, let's pray. God, thank you for today and for, again, the opportunity to gather together to worship you and to be the start of something that you have for us in the future. I ask that you bless. I ask that you give us wisdom and give us the strength that we're going to need to do the hard things. Uh, this is not going to be an easy task, but I do know that you're the one who's going to get us through it and you're going to be the one to give us the strength and to bless and we're going to try to do everything in your will, and we're going to do it in your power. And I know that our spirit is not in word only, but also in power. And so I ask that you give us that. Help us to be faithful, not just hearers, but doers. And um, just, just bring your blessing on our ministry. Love you. It's your name that we pray. Amen.